Please find Ephesians chapter 2 in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 2, as was alluded to earlier, our pastors are uh, both away at a men's retreat, I had to choose between laying on the cold ground next to some smelly guy or snuggling up in my sleep number bed next to my wife, and I chose the latter, so it's my turn to preach today while they're gone. If you're visiting, we're sorry. Uh, <coughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day. We thank you for revealing yourself through your word. We thank you that we can look into it today and we can know the way of salvation. Guide and direct us by your Holy Spirit now as we look into your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is our uh, second in a series of sermons on the five solas. So if the Yorgis have five puppies today, I think I have the names picked out for them. And I wouldn't put it past Pastor Tim to do it either. Uh, our second, our first was sola scriptura, which Pastor Tim looked at last week. Today we are looking at the sola of sola fide. This is Latin for sola, alone, fide, faith. Alone faith, or as we would say, faith alone, or faith only. Um, I don't have a list of uh, fill-in-the-blanks for you. I normally don't do that want to do a fill-in-the-blank today, you can take that blank piece of paper that's in your bulletin. You can put numbers one two, one, two, and three down the side. And the answers are yes, no, and yes with a little asterisk. I'll give you the questions momentarily. But it's faith alone, specifically justification by faith alone. So, what is justification? Justification is to be declared righteous. So, sola fide, then, is to be declared righteous, justification, by faith alone. Some people like to take the word justification and kind of stretch it out as, just as if I'd never sinned. And, and that's helpful, it, it takes the aspect of justification taking away our sin. But we are not declared as not guilty before God. Rather, we have a positive standing before God. We are declared as righteous before God. So Lafide says we are declared righteous before God by faith alone. Not one of your questions yet, but, but why? 
Why is this necessary that we would need to be justified by faith alone? It's because God is a holy God. He said in Leviticus, be ye holy for I am holy, and it's repeated or quoted by Peter in our recent study in 1 Peter. God is a holy God, and man, by nature, by representative, and by choice, is not holy. We'll look at Romans chapter 3 in a little bit, but Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, the overarching question, not one of your three questions, but the overarching question is, how can sinful man be saved? How can he be declared righteous before a holy God? That's the overarching question. How can a sinful man be declared righteous before a holy God? And we need to get this answer right. We need to get sola fide right. We need to understand this because the gospel itself is what's at stake. What is the gospel? How can a man be saved is at stake in understanding sola fide. Scripture says God's ways are not our ways. And I think to the human mind, a salvation by works makes perfect sense. It is appealing. If by God's grace you recognize through the scripture or through some natural revelation that he exists and that he is a holy God, and if by God's grace you come to understand the fact that you're a sinner and you've done wrong, then what's the cure? I can remember early, um, probably early teenage years, maybe a little bit before that, where I really started to think about this a little bit. And my plan kind of went like this. Uh, I believed God existed. The Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. The creation screams out for a creator. God exists. Had I done some things wrong up to that point? Oh, yeah. So I know I had done wrong. So, so what do I do about it? And this is Brian theology. This is not faith alone. Brian theology said, man's theology said, well, I've done wrong, and that sits on the scale against me. So, so, not right now, but sometime later in life, I'll do some good. And I'll pile the good up on this side of the scale, and then hopefully when I die, God will kind of weigh the two out and go close enough. Come on in. That was my plan. And that plan is not so different than the statements of many within organized religion today. It, it appeals to us that if we've done wrong, we must do something to make it right. 
We say with the reformers, sola fide, faith alone. And many will come with us as far as the word faith. Yes, faith, but not faith alone. Faith plus, and if we were putting in a fill in the blank, you could put anything you wanted. Faith plus baptism. Faith plus church membership. Faith plus fill in the good works. And the gospel is destroyed and stripped of its power because the gospel is not faith plus as men want to make it. This week, I listened to Pastor Tim's message from a year ago on faith alone, and I hope they'll put that back up on the website. There was a change on the website. So Dana K., maybe I'll throw this out to you. If, if we could get at least the solar um, ones up there, I think it would be great. Pastor Tim did an excellent job of going through the history of the Roman Catholic Church and where they um, brought these, um, you know, faith plus baptism, faith plus communion, faith plus membership, faith plus mass, but not faith alone. And the reformers saw that and they stood up and they said, no, faith alone, sola fide. Man can only be justified. He can only stand righteous before a holy God by faith alone. And this stands in stark contrast to the Roman Catholic Church, but it stands in contrast to every human-based attempt to make oneself right before God. A salvation that requires the works of man to atone for sin is attractive to human pride and logical to the human mind but it is antithetical to the gospel. Before we dive into our three questions, I just want to share a story with you. I was um, doing the speaking at Camp Four Springs. They had a rock climbing trip. And on that rock climbing trip, each day we um, had devotions in the morning and in the evening. I'd share a little message with them. And then I had plenty of time to sit around campfires and things like that and talk to the kids that were there. There was a young lady that was along on the trip, and um, she happened to be Roman Catholic, but could have been anybody. And as we were talking about salvation and talking about God's grace, and as I sat with her and explained from the scripture what God had to say, she said this to me, and I'll never forget it. When I indicated that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone. She said to me, you might get to heaven that easy, but I never will. And her, of course her point was, okay for you, but I will get to heaven through faith plus works. Because I'm not going to get there that easy. I don't know where she's been in the rest of her life. I don't know what God's done in her life. 
But if she continues to hold the same position that salvation is by faith plus works, she's absolutely right in her statement that she will not get to heaven that easy. Because we will not get to heaven by relying upon anything apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Question number one. Were the reformers right on sola fide? And you know the answer is yes. How would we know that? Ah, sola scriptura, like the guy said last week. Let's read our Bibles. How would we know that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone? We would read our Bibles. So you're in Ephesians chapter 2 right now. We looked at verses 8, 9, and 10 in our introduction, but let's back up a little bit in the context. Verses 1 through 3, we have sinners separated from God. It says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in work now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All of mankind under the condemnation of sin. And verse 4 begins with what? but God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. I'm looking for help to build my dad's bathroom onto his house. One place I have yet to look for help is the graveyard, because dead men don't perform good works. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God acts. God, in Ephesians, back at chapter 1, he referred to the Ephesians as saints. As we go through this section, we have seated saints. If you want to dig a little deeper into this Ephesians, I invite you to adult Sunday school. We are having a great time. We're only at verse like 7 or something of chapter 1. This is a great time to get into Sunday school. And we just got warmed up this morning. It leads right into where we're, where we're going here in the message. So a little commercial there. I invite you to come to Sunday school. Come out. You, you'll, we do a different format. We have a, a dialogue instead of a monologue. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us, in Christ Jesus. God is the one who is active here. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, but God is active. 
And he saves us by grace, and he seats us with Christ in the heavenly places. What verses 8 and 9 do is now explain this. For, because, for, by grace, you have been saved, what? Through faith. Now, does it say through faith alone? No, it doesn't. We'll get to that. But it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is the mechanism, if you will, of salvation. It is the channel. It's not the energy of salvation. It is the channel of salvation. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And then it says, and this, not your own doing, it is the gift of God. It's as if he hadn't been clear enough that God was the actor, he now brings it right down and says, this isn't your doing. This isn't of you. Well, what do you mean it's not our own doing? He elaborates in verse 9. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. If there was something that I had to do to pile it up on this side, my old Brian theology, here are the bad things that I've done, and I'm saved, why? Because I piled enough good stuff up on the other side then I would have something to boast about. In addition to just spreading a lie, what the false gospel also does is rob Christ of the glory that he deserves. If you have a high view of man, you necessarily end up with a lower view of God. And if you have a high view of God, you necessarily end up with a lower view of man. This is a work that is, this is a work of God through faith. It is not our own doing. It is not the result of works. And there is no boasting. Now, were the reformers taking this idea of faith alone and kind of taking their own idea and pushing it onto this one text? That's not your second question. That's a rhetorical question. They were not. Romans chapter 3. Turn over to Romans chapter 3. As you read Romans chapter 3 and you read Romans chapter 4 and you say, are the reformers right that we can only be justified by faith alone? And frankly, I wonder why there's any debate. And yet we know that spiritual truths are spiritually discerned. And the eyes of those who have not believed are darkened. But before us, the very words of God say this. Romans, start at verse 21 of chapter 3.
Now, he's talking about Jew and Gentile being saved the same way. He's talking that the works of the law do not uh, merit salvation for the Jew. And he says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who do what? Believe. Believe in faith. If you like to underline, start underlining faith in this section. There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, declared righteous, by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The redemption is the price that Jesus paid. The payment of his blood for our sins. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, that means to take away the sin, by his blood to be received, how? By faith. I'm in verse 25, follow along with me. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so as he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. You're going to hear this a lot if you decide to come to Sunday school, but this is one of my favorite verses. It really is another one of my favorite verses. It was, verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier, the one who declares righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, there's a, there's a problem. It's not a riddle. It's not something that God sat in eternity past and said, ooh, how shall we work this out? God's eternal. I think the answer was instantaneous. But the, the quandary was, how could God, who always acts perfectly according to his nature. God is a just God. How can he be just, punish sin, and the one who declares righteous sinners like you and I? And again, I don't think it was a lot of hand-wringing. I don't... I'm speculating here, but in eternity past, God made a plan. And he could solve that problem of man's sinfulness and his desire yet to have fellowship with man and to glorify himself through his son. He could solve that by justification through faith alone. That's what it says here. That he might be just, Maintain his holiness, not compromise, 
and be the one that declares us righteous who have faith in Jesus. Verse 27, then what becomes of boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that, is, that one is justified by faith, what? Apart from works of the law. Sola fide, faith alone, faith apart from works. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one, he will justify the circumcised how? How? By faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Salvation is the same for the Jew as it is for the Gentile. Justification is by faith alone. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. And at the beginning of chapter 4, he gives the example of Abraham. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For Abraham was, for if, as is not the case, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as, as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Do you see it in verse 5? Do you see sola fide in verse 5? To the one who does not work, but believes in him who declares righteous, who justifies what? Meritorious people. People who have pulled it all together. People who have joined the right church. No, he justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And he goes on to quote a, a psalm of David there. Blessed is the man whose trespasses, whose sins are not counted against him. Were the reformers right about sola fide? Yes. Second question, number two. What's the answer? No. Oh, well, let's see what the question is. Is faith itself a work of man? Is there something to be said for me since I have faith and another does not? See, where the word of God slams the front door on the human pride by making salvation a gift of God by faith alone, human pride often attempts to sneak in the back door by saying, faith is my work. God's part, Jesus died on the cross. My part is my faith. My faith is my work. And those who lack such faith are below me. It's the implication. 
It is a self-righteousness that says this faith is meritorious work of man. Is it? No. Turn back over to Ephesians. Ephesians 2, where we were there in 8 and 9. Ephesians 4, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. It is the gift of God. This is, we talked about Sunday school in a different case. This is the uh, Greek pronoun Tutaus, and it means this very thing, this same, this one, in this case, this thing, is the gift of God. Now, I wish that it was in the same person, number, and case as the word faith, because that would simply make the case. If the this that's talking about is faith, and faith is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, then faith is not a human work. It doesn't. However, it also does not point back to the word grace. So what that leaves us with is that the this that is not of yourself, or the this, if you have another translation, not of your own doing, encompasses the whole idea that's there. And he's saying all of salvation is not of you. He is saying neither grace nor faith is of you. This salvation is not your own doing. So I'm satisfied that it encompasses them both. I wish it just pointed to the one. That isn't the way God decided to put it. But if it includes both, then it includes the one. The faith is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. How did I come to believe? If I was dead in my trespasses and sins, as the scripture said, how could I produce the, quote, work of faith? I could not. Faith is not a work of man. Faith is a response to the work of God in our lives. It is by grace that he makes you aware of his existence. It is by grace that you don't worship the creation rather than the creator. It is by grace that he makes you aware of your sinfulness. If, if you want to see how God judges, God doesn't judge by making you aware of your sinfulness. Look at Romans chapter 1. Rather than making them aware of their sinfulness, he gave them over to a retrobate mind. God is gracious when he makes you aware of your sinfulness. He is gracious when he makes you aware that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And he is gracious when he gives you the faith to believe. Is 
faith a work of man? And the answer is no. Third question. Is there a causal relationship? Is there a causal relationship between works and salvation? Wait a minute, you said the answer was yes. But we put an asterisk there, didn't you? Did you put the asterisk after the, after the yes? Because you're going to have to put the asterisk down here and you're going to have to put the rest of the answer. Is there a causal relationship between salvation and works? Well, we already saw that there is not a causal relationship between salvation and works in that works do not right? Do not cause salvation. Comma, but salvation does cause works. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Oh boy. <laughs> Are we going to confuse things here? I hope not. I've been praying about this this week. I'm trying to be clear from the scripture. Can good works save me? No, because I can't do any good works. The Old Testament tells us that all of our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. They're useless. In fact, they're unclean before God. They have no salvific value. They cannot save us. But when we are justified by faith alone, when we are declared righteous by faith alone, God continues to work in us. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. He works into us to do good works according to his good pleasure and according to those things which he has set in advance for us to do. It says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Is there a causal relationship between works and salvation? Yes. But most people have them backwards. Salvation causes good works. Good works do not cause salvation. Word of caution here. As a believer in Jesus Christ, as one who has been justified by faith, you cannot increase your standing before God by good works. Ruth and I have been blessed to spend most of our life together. We met when we were 12 years old. We got married when we were young. We worked together. She worked for me in an office for a while, and I had office at home at different times, and we've spent most of our life together. And we like that, don't we, honey? Yes. Well, recently I retired, and uh, I'm actually even around home more I know you're going to find this hard to believe. But when I'm around all the time, I can actually get a little annoying and, uh, and frustrating. <laughs> of 
Quit laughing, Mom. I mean, really. Occasionally, I will be underfoot too much. And Ruth, believe it or not, might snack at me or growl a little bit about something. And she's a sweetheart, and she's real sensitive, so she'll come up later. Sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel unwanted or whatever. You know, I'm just kind of used to having this space go this way. And I'll smile and say to her, that's okay, I'll let you make it up to me. <laughs> and she usually goes shopping then. <laughs> That's all right, I'll let you make it up to me. Kind of fits our human understanding well, doesn't it? You were a bad girl, you did something wrong, so make it up to me. When we are declared righteous before a holy God, and we sin. As in salvation, the solution is not to go do good works to make it up to him. Pastor Tim did a masterful job with this. Again, I, I point you back to his sermon on this topic. We don't go about after salvation making ourselves right before God again by doing good works. When we sin, we go to God and we agree with him that it was sin. We confess our sins. And he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And he empowers us and he motivates us to go forth and do the good works that he prepared in advance to glorify himself because that's part of what we were created to do. We do good works not to earn salvation. We do good works not to make it up to God. We do good works because he has been gracious to allow us to walk in those things that he even prepared in advance for us to do. This adds nothing, nothing to our standing before a holy God. How are we doing? The glare on that clock. I'll just refer you to Titus chapter 2 to look at it on your own. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, say essentially that the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us, and it talks about our life now, teaches us the denying ungodliness and worldly lusts as we wait for the great and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God that brings salvation does affect works, but these are post-salvation works that he prepared for us to, to walk in, not something that would contribute to our salvation. What did we see today? Were the reformers right that salvation is by faith alone? Yes. Justification by faith alone. Is faith a work of man? No, salvation is completely the gracious work of God. Is there a causal relationship between works and salvation? Yes, but the Bible clearly teaches that salvation causes good works, and good works are not the cause of salvation. Justification is by faith alone. Heavenly Father, we could never measure up 
We could never put it together. We could never earn our salvation. Thank you that you are a gracious and a loving God. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross in our place. And we need no other argument and we need no other plea. May you be glorified as you've lavished your grace upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.